Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Ian Robinson, founder and CEO of collaborative web app development company Enliven, on the topic of using a conversational approach to fostering productivity within the enterprise. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today is Ian Robinson, a speaker, trainer, founder, and the CEO of Enliven, a company focusing on building highly functional collaborative web apps for expert operational and project management processes. So welcome, Ian. Thank you. Thanks, Christian. It's great to have you, and I know we're going to dig in a lot. I want to, I, I want to understand what you've been working on the last few years because sure. I think it's a, it's a fairly common need. There's the out of the box solutions. There's the custom solutions that are out there. I always tell people my advice is that you know use the technology that fits your mm. business need first. Focus on what you need to accomplish. And you can't always do that with the out of the box. You have to sure. you know, force that square peg into the round hole sometimes. And when you look at what you're really trying to accomplish, sometimes the best approach for that is going in, certainly integrating, but building uh, you know, a solution around that. Absolutely. So today, I want the, you know, the focus is around conversational approach for fostering productivity. But why don't we start with an introduction? Sure. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you? So Ian Robinson, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I am maybe first and foremost, the father of three boys, and I uh, build software in my spare time. <laughs> right. Um, but um, I run a company called Enliven, which we started uh, in 2012. And uh, let's say I've been a part of the Microsoft ecosystem since 2005, and building custom software there. Um, and really, you know, our focus over the years um, has been going deeper and deeper inside of businesses from, you know, I did a lot of stuff in the marketing world, um, did, you know, supporting kind of ancillary teams within the business. But uh, my favorite part is maybe the most complicated part of getting really deep inside of the organization to their expertise, right? Their unique expertise. So things like accounting, consulting, um, healthcare consulting and auditing there uh, over to you know, construction management. Uh, it's very detailed data-driven work. It's highly collaborative. Yep. And um, that focus has emerged maybe because I think we can just be more useful there. We can be most useful there as, as custom software developers to kind of remove as much unnecessary complexity in people's daily lives um, by looking at this expertise that they have, their unique approach as an organization, the unique practices that they've developed, and being really aware of their work environment trying to build a really direct representation of that work environment um, in a digital work environment. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, it, it, it just makes me think there's a, one of my favorite management leadership books is um, Marcus Buckingham, the first break all the rules. And the, 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 the net net of the book is that you identify people's strengths and you manage to people's strengths. It just makes sense that mm. you think of yeah. you know, organizational uh, leadership that you do the same. It's like, what are we best at? What can we further enhance? Because in, te in team building, you know, when you allow people to focus on their core strengths, on the things they're really good at, uh, rather than force everyone to be this, this concept of, well, we're well-balanced across all <laughs> categories. Nobody is well-balanced right. across all categories. And organizations are not well-balanced across all categories. So if you can really lean in on those areas where you are the strongest, then and then structure the way that you hire, the where you purchase solutions, where you leverage partners, to fill in for those areas where you're weaker, you're ultimately going to be more successful. That's at least my theory. I'm I love that that book that approach. Certainly yeah, I'm not familiar side. with the book, but I I love that uh, that approach as well. And I think you know for a lot of organizations, they are really proud of their experience and their process and their unique approach, and that's what they're selling. Right. Ultimately, that's what their clients are hiring them. You know, I'm again kind of focusing in that B2B professional services space, sure. which is a lot of the times, um, a lot of the time consulting and you know, expert transformations of one sort or another, uh, really uh, specialized skill sets and whatnot. But uh, clients are hiring them because of that experience and expertise. And I see a lot of unnecessary complexity and overhead and things that can be very damaging because when they try to operationalize that core strength in the digital world, they look to outside solutions, the things that don't really understand them. And then they have to adapt themselves to the worldview of, well, software that was made to fit many businesses to work in as many business environments as possible, yeah. um, they, as opposed to, which has its place, obviously, yeah, but as sure. opposed to for this area of their core competency, um, just trying to put something in place that doesn't have, um, or that does rather intimately understand their work environment and their culture and their practices. That's always the danger. If you take a you know, it's a lot of these, these enterprise applications, you know, mm -hmm. and just focus on collaboration technology. They, they hit all the mainstream use cases because they have to cater to the largest, the broadest audience there. Uh, and, and what happens is if you don't have a firm sense of who you are, what you're trying to accomplish, again, going back to like, what are sure. our core strengths? What, what's our differentiation? You can easily lose yourself in those out of the box use cases, and yeah. It, yeah, and so there's. I mean, I know that there's there's methodologies. I'm not an expert in that space. I've done it. Uh, I've sure. worked with external partners. I've done this as a manager inside large organizations, where we go through kind of a a systems 
uh, process for designing a new system. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, but so it's a very that's I, it sounds like I just repeated myself, but <laughs> it's the it's like the systems model of you know, uh, uh, it's an approach to holistically look at all yeah. of the various environments, the workloads, yeah. and constantly going back to what are the core principles? What are we trying to achieve here? So right. that you can identify those gaps. Yeah. Of what we actually need, what's going to keep us unique versus what is available out of the box. And yeah, I think that's, that's really, um, you know, f- firms that recognize that that's and can find partners, I think that, that agree, you know, to that kind of deeper approach, I think are in a great position. Like that's where, uh, that's where it starts. Um, and, you know, I guess while you were talking, it, you kind of reminded me of another uh, dynamic that crops up pretty frequently too, which is not just off the shelf software or rented SaaS stuff, but, um, but legacy systems that weren't built with the mindset that you were just describing. You know, and that's, that's super common. Like our, our world of building web apps, you know, we, we were talking a little bit earlier about us both kind of being in the Microsoft world since about 2005. And I mean, that feels like a long time ago. And in this industry, it was a long time ago. Right. But I still feel like a younger, like a newer person. I don't know how you feel. Cause I (laughs) come across old timers, like true old timers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I try to try to, um, Keep looking at it that way, at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of organizations didn't benefit from. Let's see, maybe they had resources to build in-house software or had a vendor that kind of was just getting the job done, and because it works, it's functional, right? They've been using it for a really long time. But as their, and this is kind of the sweet spot for us, is they're like, well, these tools work and we depend on them every day, but now we're experiencing a lot of pain, right? Because we're growing and we, we're outgrowing this, and, but we're also kind of scared to let go of it because it's really, it's, you know, we've been using it for five years, 10 years, 20 years, uh, sometimes even longer, um, and even putting money into it all that time. And it, it was built on COBOL. It's been a while. It might be time to upgrade. <laughs> well, one of my favorites was, uh, and I, I mean this, was one of my favorites that was um, a really elaborate access. I mean, access has been around for a long time. It has. And yeah. you can do anything you want with it. <laughs> you probably right. shouldn't. But, um, you know, and, and for that client, um, we... You know, it's it can again be scary to let go of something like that, especially when you've been developing it for 20 years. But sometimes you need a reset. And that isn't it isn't like you won't be able to take all of the learnings that happened over that 20 years, but you can get rid of the organic sprawl <laughs> and kind of do a reset and well, start the conversation over, really. Well, that's a, I, I often talk about it. It's like it, it, when you go in, you talk to, so I started my career 30 plus years ago as a business analyst. 
and a technical writer. And so my job was to go sit in front of internal engineering teams, the business teams, and like, what do you want? What do you need, you know, from the system? And I very quickly learned that lesson that if you, that people give you their requirements through the lens of their understanding of their systems. So how this relates, if you're trying to go in there and say, look, we've got all the new technology, we've got SaaS technology, we have all of these, the potential that's out there. So many, as you said, they're, they're fearful of what they don't know of mm -hmm. the new and giving up what they know, even though they could be, you know, uh, they could have these such old and outdated systems that their work culture reinforces or supports fills mm -hmm. in the gaps for so long they have a difficult time of looking at like really the best way of approaching that and so yeah. it needs to be an iterative process so how do you approach Absolutely. that with companies yeah. that are so beholden to this older technology to get them to sure. think in a new way so really we try and work with our clients to look at it as a three-step um you know, just for the sake of convenience, there are three kind of broad steps. The first is really reframing. Um, and, and the second would be building an initial platform, uh, or, which I look at as a platform for growth. And that's kind of the reset um, to start the conversation in a new way. Mm -hmm. And then the, the third, and we can talk more about each of these, but um, the third would be really an ongoing health and growth practice. And with as little separation between, and that's where we're trying to ultimately get to, um, because these are, again, kind of long-lived practices, uh, again, whether it's the construction consulting world or healthcare consulting, whatever it might be, um, they're going to be doing it for a while. So we're trying to get them to this place where there's as little gap between their organizational expertise kind of abstractly and their processes mm -hmm. and the expression of that um, in their, you know, what I think of as like a digital work environment, or th these kind of core platforms that we're building. Mm -hmm. So in the framing portion, it's kind of some of the stuff that we've already talked about where it's like, well, you know, let's focus in on who you guys really are and your greatest strengths. Let's look at all of the existing stuff that you have out in the world. Um, what processes uh, you have that you kind of, how you talk about with them with your clients to how they're implemented currently. And just, we kind of go as, as broadly in that phase as we can through their current um, Kind of work environment and try to really separate out you know what is it that's holding them back here uh, from what is helping them be really successful because again they're experiencing growth and they depend on this stuff and they can't really we need to salvage <laughs> or we need to extract the the real value from the existing systems um, I, I really tend not to focus on building these found, these platforms for speculative business processes. 
it really is they've been proven in some way right they're valuable there's evidence yep. so big a big part of the framing is going around and actually looking at what people are doing their actions and the historical data that we have and valuing that pretty heavily kind of more more so than anything else um, because we know if you've done hundreds of projects and you've done, done certain things in every project, like those are the things that need to go into the foundation. So the, the framing is really all about how can we build everything that we're certain about into the foundation and establish some questions that will help us then once we have that foundation up and running, explore the edges of the expertise and of, of the organizational practices. And of course, this is all happening, uh, or this is all working to facilitate collaboration around those expert processes. This is so much of this, it, it, it's, uh, and I'd love to get your take on this. I, I know that there's so many companies, Microsoft, Qualtrics, mm -hmm other you know, consulting companies that are focusing on uh, the employee experience. So EX or EXP yeah. and, and around that. And I, and you know, it, it's funny. I, so there's, I look at it kind of two sides, positive and skeptical uh, sure. about the approach. The positive side is I'm like, I'm glad that it's a focus area that companies are big and small are looking at, especially just where we are post pandemic, mm -hmm. Uh, crossing the fingers, <laughs> um, you know, but so uh, over the last couple of years with so many companies moving to um, digital, moving to hybrid models and kind of thrust into the collaboration space, that's why it's booming mm -hmm. in the collaboration uh, ecosystem now, but are focusing on how do we make the end-to-end -end employee experience better? Mm -hmm. What is that employee journey yeah. from the time we're recruiting and we hire them and we onboard them through to when they leave, they retire till they're to they leave for some other reason. We look into the spectrum of the experience of their data, have how easy yeah. it is as an employee within that. I think that's a great focus. My skepticism of that focus is that, yeah, that's what I was doing back in the 90s and the mm -hmm. 2000s as well. Like there's that's not yeah. new to us that are working in the collaboration and project sure. portfolio management. And I mean, one of my first projects in the late nineties was uh, a, a switch to a new job was building this, an OSS, an operating system for employees that would integrate all of those, you know, all of those tools, all of those systems mm -hmm. in one experience. And so, I mean, is that something, are you running into people, you know, that are looking at that holistically across the entire employee experience? I'm certainly looking for them. And I, I hope, see, one of the things that, um, that I think over the course of, so Enliven has been up and running for 10 years and we've largely um, been able to rely on our reputation and just word of mouth through getting strong results for our clients and doing doing good work, just being trustworthy people that are capable, right? And, and one of the things that that's led to is that a lot of times we're, we're really focused on this employee experience just because that's who we are and how we think about stuff. 
and our clients benefit from that deeply. I think it's one of our greatest strengths, but it's not how we got in the door. Hmm. Right. So it, part of this maybe next decade for Enliven is to be really more intentional about that and be a part of that conversation kind of explicitly. Um, and I'm really excited about that. And, and like you, I, th I think that there's, there's a lot of, well, I'm glad people are thinking about that because if it means they weren't thinking about it before. Right. And I don't want to be crass and just call it. It's like, hey, it's an upsell opportunity to sell them more services. No, it actually is. It's a positive thing that yeah. that their companies are being more thoughtful uh, about how yeah. happy are our employees. Are we are, are things balanced? Are we overwhelming them? Do we truly understand the workload we're putting upon people and the effect that it's having, how can we keep a closer eye on that yeah. and be more in tune with, you know, the, the, the general well-being of our employees? Yeah. And uh, so I'm really excited to be kind of a part of that larger conversation. And I think I'm, I'm hoping at least that we have an important role to play there in that, there's a lot of kind of ancillary experience or, you know, just there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of levels to being an employee and part of an organization. And to me, if like you can worry about, um, you can worry about a lot, but you're probably best. Well, it's probably going to work out best if you focus on your core expertise and your core processes first, make sure you have a strong foundation there. And, you know, you, it can't hurt to go, it can never be the wrong thing to go there first and make sure that that part is, you're really leveraging your strengths and setting your employees up for success and giving them agency and kind of being empowered in day-to-day -day work life, right? Yeah. And, so, yeah, that's uh, it's a, it's a, still an exciting time to be building, uh, you know, boring business apps because everybody relies on them, and I think people can can gloss over how important that is. You know, the day to day well, stuff adds up over yeah. a year and a decade across these big teams. Well, that's another thing I think I've seen this shift over certainly over my career to, uh, I mean, twelve. 14 years ago, um, you know, like I was, uh, um, you know, within the SharePoint world inside of Microsoft as an employee, mm -hmm. and then with various ISVs and, uh, and something that we'd always say is, you know, like, I'd ask a question, I'd go and speak at a conference and I would say, you know, show of hands, um, how many of you, uh, are where SharePoint is in these enterprise applications are viewed as business critical and only like a third or half the Oof. hands would go up and how that changed over time. I think mm. part of the shift that's happened is, uh, uh, is people have started to really understand how the role that technology can play again, not just when it's the out of the box, out of the, I'm not knocking out of the box. Sure. Uh, these, these, some wonderful solutions that are out there, but that's always the first step. And the mistake, the fundamental mis mistake that people make is that they 
Um, well, it is a great way to apply. So I, being from within the project management world, you know, prior to collaboration space, project for portfolio management, as a manager, I paid for dozens of my direct reports to go through um, PMI training. So they're PMP project management certifications as a project mm -hmm. management institute. So they're PMP certification. They get back from that training gung ho on that very rich, detailed project management methodology. And the next thing I would tell them is that uh, you are not to try to utilize 100% of that methodology. <laughs> Find the pieces that make sense. We want a watered down light version of that, that people can actually do. Like, yes. It's so over the top, so you, detailed. You can't bring the whole discipline to, to bear on, <laughs> on the organization a, all at right. once. It, and that's, <laughs> that's like with, uh, with any of the, any of these platforms is that you can't just go and say, I'm going to turn, flip all the switches turn everything on and, and find it useful that we need to find how it fits into our organization. When companies do that, when they start to realize here's our culture, here's what we actually need to accomplish. And then here's the technology and they overlap. It's the Venn diagram. They overlap heavily. However, there's a lot of things that the tools do that we don't need that don't fit within that. And that's okay. And there are areas that we need for our business that the tool doesn't provide or that it's too much of a force fit. That's okay too. Let's do the thing that's right for our business. In the Venn diagram, your focus, your prioritization should be on the culture, your needs, your requirements, that, that side of things, not the overlap of the circles of the technology. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. It's just a different approach to that, but it's I, I, again. I mean, I I throw that all in that bucket of you know this this is essentially the the employee experience, you know the the bucket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of examples that I keep thinking of while we're talking too. Of um, so one is an electrical contractor who does you know basically wires up data centers and automotive factories. So there's a lot of cable to keep track of. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and the other was um, in the healthcare auditing space. So they go in and do a variety of different audits um, internally in hospital systems. And in both of those, they're project and engagement based. And so they seem, you know, accounting and construction are completely different, right? But Industry-wide, yeah. yes. But, yeah, right. right. Um, and, well, I, should, I, I kind of, I shouldn't say accounting because the big CPA firms offer those services, but it's not really, it's not accounting at that point. Though some right. of the audits were accounting. Um, it's kind of more broader than that. But, um, but in the end, the pieces that we're talking about when we're talking about kind of building these core systems to enable collaboration and more directly directly express those, you know, so there's specialized tools, um, there's reports, there's dashboards, there's, um, you know, alerts and notifications, and there's, you know, just, there's all these basic building blocks of custom software development. And in both of these worlds, we're really just taking those tools 
and arranging them so they map onto this business environment very directly. So in the um, in the construction example, we had a bunch of people that, you know, again, were a little bit skeptical that it would it would it could go well because they've been frustrated for so long. And like, yeah, this problem doesn't feel soft <laughs> solvable. Um, it's, it's too complicated. There's too many moving pieces, too many different roles. Um, and in the, in the auditing example too, I think there was some sense of that as well, where it was just like, can this really, like I've been an auditor for different companies and, you know, I've seen everybody else, how everybody else does it. And, I, I'm just skeptical, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and maybe they had really good reason to be. Uh, but in both examples, we were able to by focusing on their their kind of this long term view of their um, expert practices. We're able to take those people and that were so skeptical and and make them really <laughs> excited and kind of turn into to advocates. Like, oh, I've I've never been, you know, I've seen all of the things in the industry and, and now I've joined this auditing team that has the software and I can't go back, mm -hmm. right? Or And I haven't heard that one from the construction folks, but I wouldn't be surprised if we've heard it, if we will hear it um, uh, over time. But, um, you know, and that's a, that's a super satisfying thing to have helped accomplish. Um, and you know, knowing that you can drop somebody into this complex environment and onboard them to your system in a in short order. And in both of those cases, it was, you can, pretty short order. Um, and that onboarding them to the systems is also onboarding them to your expert processes, to your culture. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how we work. There's really no difference. We, there's a, there aren't a bunch of extra abstractions introduced. Like we're modeling their world directly. They have, you know, different roles are all kind of gazing upon the same source of truth. And that source of truth just isn't their project data, but it's also their process and their workflow um, and their tools. So it's, you know, it's, it's integrated kind of as deeply as possible there. And so it's pretty cool. I'd, I'd like to, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to keep going down that path because it's yeah. pretty exciting to see that happen. Well, it's, um, you know, when you are, when you're focused, I'll use kind of a data center analogies, like when your focus is on, we just need to keep the servers up and running, we need to make sure the lights are on. Mm -hmm. That's not really innovation, when you're just scrambling <laughs> to keep, you know, things working and functional, you know, innovation happens when you are at some level, optimized when you stop worrying about are the servers mm -hmm. running? It's like, yeah, the servers are running. And if there's a failure, like the systems people, like they'll put in new drives, they'll, they'll stand up new servers, like it's running. So we can rely on that. Yeah. Then yeah. you can start to go and focus on other things. So if you're, again, you, you use the example earlier as a company that has, they're successful, but with these antiquated systems, you know, you, you don't know how much more productive and successful you can be at something mm -hmm. if you're tied down, if you're, you're limited. So it's, so is it a lot of what you do? Isn't, isn't it 
identifying what those blockers is what's holding you back from sure. moving to that next level yeah absolutely so we come in it, it feels like it's you know it's kind of a it's kind of a mix of business process analysis and like product design uh, maybe organizational psychology <laughs> a little bit of business therapy but um and and we're looking so people are in pain of some sort and they can talk about their pain and that's where we, we tend to start right they're frustrated they're you know people are complaining about things they're making costly mistakes right and that's that's easy to to work backwards from i think mm -hmm. and it's maybe a little bit harder to get them excited about the opportunities so to to put things together in a new way and like to really they don't really understand and maybe it's because nobody understands exactly how good it will be once we get this right because it's it's so complicated right but there's so much you know again the kind of the reason that i keep going back to these uh because we've we've been able to work in so many different environments but w the ones that have that are executing a process over and over again greatest strength greatest weakness thing there's so much complexity there that there's a lot of risk but all of that complexity means you can actually if you take the time to go through everything there is a right answer like there's you you can't meet all of the like the client requirements the leadership requirements you know the five different roles that are collaborating in a different way you know you, you can't meet all of there's one way to meet all of those needs right we don't know what it is but we're going to find it <laughs> right yeah. and sure i mean there's it's open to interpretation but when you really and there is some you know strategic i'm sure there's some strategic variation right but when your focus is on setting up a strong foundation so that you can hold this conversation directly you, know, you put a stake in the ground and then it, maybe it's not innovation after that but the conversation is adapting right it's it's growth and in increments over time and you, mm -hmm. i think that is innovation um though i think that the word innovation tends to take people outside of their organization for answers. When yeah. you talk about adapting, it's more inward focused. And this is the area of your business where you want to be more inward focused because you have the skills, you have the experience. Like we we got this, right? We don't we don't need to go to the outside world uh, to look for oh how can we adapt these um, these things that will make us innovative but how can we actually go deeper inside of our client projects inside of our operations to um to adapt uh to a changing environment because it's always different you know from year over year things are changing and you have to keep up with that <laughs> well that's the hardest thing i mean that's it i, I was going to make that ask you this question about like because the hardest thing for people is change it doesn't matter what it is if there's a mm -hmm. cultural process or technology change and people push back against that and so the the organizations that ultimately are the most successful are those that are able to recognize change is happening 
adapt to that and then move forward and get ready for the next change. So they, Mm -hmm. it becomes part of the culture that they embrace and, you know, change. And it's, it's, and you, you need to build your teams, you know, hire people that, you know, have a high aptitude for dealing with, you know, change and letting that, that happen. So it, so I don't know how you approach that with customers because I'm sure, especially if they're on some of these ancient systems, that is usually a flag. Like that's a organization that doesn't do change. And there are certain realities, sure. you sure. know, of industry. And I'm not knocking a business. I, in fact, I always make recommendations like don't just upgrade mm-hmm. to the new technology because it's shining and new. Like I, I still have that project management approach, which is look at the cost justifications or the do the benefits mm-hmm. of and the cost of moving outweigh you know the the you know the cost itself of moving because we're getting benefit out of the system the old system it has to make sense and i think that um that well first it's not always that they have ancient systems because sometimes they are reaching limitations of SaaS platforms Hmm. and they just are like hey we've we've got like a configuration team, we've got, you know, we've got an interface with the vendor quite a bit. And the, you know, there's a lot of IT involvement and that overhead is getting to us. And also the idea of, um, well, they're just running into limitations. Well, as you, well here's a not- common one I hear too, is that their SLAs with their, so that your, your customers, their customers, they have SLAs in place. And mm-hmm. if they're relying on these SaaS solutions, they're, they're, they're having to they're call dial control. in Microsoft yeah. support, right? They're giving up support. They're not able to do that. And so sometimes the business requires them to be closer to the solution. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of, yeah, there, there are a lot of scenarios yeah. out there. And I, and I think, so whether you're on the legacy software or on a SaaS platform, you know, really, you know, and you're recognizing some amount of pain, right? So you're starting there. So you're nervous about change, but you want to be out of pain. <laughs> this is why it feels like uh, therapy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you're nervous about change, but you want to be out of pain. So you got to start there. But how, so how do you make that change safe? And I think that really, again, folks, framing it out like we're gonna build a strong foundation we have a lot of evidence and experience to build on from within the organization because you know if you're if things if you're successful and growing and you're reaching your limits that's fundamentally a scenario where there's a ton of evidence right so you you know not that there isn't risk to it but you, you you have a lot to go on that's a it's a good point that the it doesn't matter you know where you've been so and again it's all of us have a a smattering of legacy and new systems and uh we're and there's especially those of us that are on the technology side and so involved Mm -hmm. with there's so much that's happening that's out there so many opportunities to go and leverage these these solutions and sometimes you need to just uh, slow down, uh, take a breath, again, mm-hmm. go back and focus on what are we really trying to accomplish? Kind of goes back to where you started is like, what, yeah. what is our expertise? What are we truly 
good at. And there's a, this is something, especially in, like I work with a lot of MSPs. So managed service providers all around the world. And one of the key, the the important things is that is differentiation. So what is that Mm -hmm. level of focus? And so you have some level of differentiation happen through their industry focus. Um, So you have MSPs that are project management experts, some that are healthcare, uh, you know, analyst uh, uh, experts. My daughter works in the healthcare space, uh, works for a uh, a, a data analysis firm in the healthcare. Mm-hmm. It sounds incredibly boring. I'm mm-hmm. sure it is incredibly boring, mm-hmm. but they're very specialized. They're very good at what they do. They're growing very quickly, doing something that's just incredibly boring. Um, <laughs> but uh, hey, more power to you, the people that are passionate <laughs> about doing that. I just, uh, yeah, I c- couldn't do that. But so much of that is that they found that differentiation, how they, they go and stand out. That's a key part of this. If you're going to, we talked about, you know, innovation and growth and reaching that next level, you know, part of that is the business aspect of that. It's like, you know, how do you stand out? How do you rise above all of the competition uh, that, you know, a a lot of your competitors uh, are equally passionate and are good at what they do. And they have a different combination of tools and practices and methodologies for reaching that. Um, and so it's so important that you understand your core, who you are, what you're best at, and and, and then it, it, then accurately like leverage all of those pieces that you have. Mm-hmm. I, and I, and it's there's a long list of ways that that can benefit organizations too. Because I mean, if we I mentioned earlier that if you're competing for specialized talent and you want to hire and retain people, I mean, sure, you can focus on salary and benefits and, you know, perks and stuff, but none of that stuff's going to make up for like an inhospitable day to day. Right. So if like, what if you can pull people in like the auditing example that I gave earlier, where it's like, Oh, but every time I go to do my work and like, I document something or I go to the next step in the process and I feel really supported in that, like, Oh, like knowledge management and, you know, all of our, our experience as an organization feels like it's at my fingertips mm-hmm. and it's, and it's like pushing me forward through this process. Um, that's huge, right? That's absolutely huge for um, people just feeling uh, successful on a day-to-day basis. And I, I think, again, that's not, it's not the only piece to productivity. It's not the only piece to building a strong culture, but it's, it's an important, <laughs> it's a foundational piece. And that's why even in these extremely boring environments, that's why it's still so rewarding for me to, to and my team, we jump in there and make these kind of like people live in those environments every day, right? This boring data analytics stuff. Well, it might as well be good. It might as well be kind of genuine and authentic to the company and deeply useful to them on a day-to-day basis. And from there, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of benefits. I think that, um, 
you can then focus on uh, some of the more ancillary stuff uh, more and more easily, right? Because you, you can rest assured that you have a good foundation for day-to-day -day work. Yeah, with, uh, I, I, I go back to, I, I think that, um, and you really need to check out that book um, okay. <laughs> by Marcus Buckingham. But uh, the, yeah, for the, the, uh, that idea again, um, that, that he talks about in first break, all the rules is, is, um, is, is kind of, you've just kind of described that uh, from an organizational standpoint is identify people's strengths and then leverage those strengths, not get hung up on what we don't do uh, well. Um, and, but, but focus on, okay, where, where do we really need to go? And it, when people, I, I, mean, I agree. If I'm able to come into a new company, get onboarded, like I had that, I, I share often, like when I started with the phone company back in the mid nineties, and I literally on day one was handed the three ring binder of policies of process. And I would go and ask questions and we get told repeatedly, it's like, well, it's in the binder. And then I'd spend like an hour flipping through trying to find like, okay, I see that maybe the intent of sharing the knowledge was in there. It doesn't explain anything. And then I found, you know, sitting down finally with, I was actually replacing somebody that was retired, that got retired at the end of my first week. And I would go and sit with him and his process flows and all the things that I was taking over for these systems. And I ended up writing copious notes in on his workflow because what he documented were insufficient. Mm -hmm. um, if I can be onboarded and bypass that, if I can be find the information more quickly, more easily, yeah. if I'm able to identify quickly who are the experts on these topics in this field with these customers in this region, uh, you know, all th those things, and then be able to reach out to them and engage with them. It's part of why I'm so passionate about collaboration technology is breaking down those barriers of the cubicles of the office, close office doors mm -hmm. of the multi-regionals, find the data when you need it, uh, find the experts when you need them, uh, and then have a system for, as we're building new knowledge, new expertise, cataloging that and distributing that so that others can find that that we're more connected yeah more able to go and do what we do more you know quickly uh more effortlessly you know more efficiently you know bunch of other adjectives <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and i i i love the um yeah i i do i, do. I just i think we're We've got a lot in common in terms of the the focus on collaboration and bringing all of that experience and knowledge management um kind of that wealth that we know is there in these organizations like it's there just got to get our hands on it and put it into play in the right way and and i i i keep and again, the idea of a of, of approaching this all conversationally is a little bit of a rough idea, even for me, but I, I do think that it's appropriate to think about it that way, because it, well, one, it, you're, you're, start, you're recognizing that you're starting in a place and that you don't know exactly where you're going to go, 
but you're going to, you know, it's the right model, right? <laughs> For thinking about it. You don't know exactly where you're going to go, um, but you know where you're starting and the kinds of questions that you need to ask to um, next. And when we're doing that with, with folks, we're really, again, trying to align this, this world of like, well, we want to be holding the conversation about our um, expert practices and how that's implemented at the same time to, to or at least minimize the gap there as much as possible so that we can take learnings from the last project and the, and evaluate them to, you know, are these evergreen and bake them in or are they more situational? Well, you can bake that in in a way too, maybe not as deeply, right? So it, it leads to a little bit of configuration so that if one project needs to go one way and the other goes the other way, well, you can configure that. And it's very, it's very different than configuring software for a work environment like SaaS software mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's very environment aware, but you're now taking the whole concept of configuration from configure for, for one environment to configure within one environment for different situations. It's so much easier for people to think about. Right? I just I was thinking about, you know, in my project management days, at the end of a project, we do this, do a post-mortem. So that was our analysis of mm -hmm. like, how did we do, what went right, what went wrong. I, I uh, got a little jaded early and I realized <laughs> that we go through all this and, and uh, and and I would go and make suggestions to the gung-ho young project manager that, you know, well, we found a couple areas where we improved on existing process. And then I had the person who owned the process mm -hmm. that needed to change that pushed back and said, we've always done it this way. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, like, well, if we're not willing to learn and then change, then what, what are we doing around this process? But I, I understood very early on the looking at that stuff at scale, the, the data analysis of projects. And I learned that by moving to a product company um, where, you know, from an operational standpoint of looking at kind of quality management as we are, are you know, how can we increase our output? Um, and I, I looked at it kind of the same way. I said, we just, we never looked at it abstracted up a level from a project basis to look at what are we learning and all these things were um and, and so there's so much more data that's available now we can look at you know how people are interacting where teams are not communicating well where they're sharing more um and we can we have more data than ever before there's so many edges so many devices so many things that we can monitor and measure to give us an idea of the level of activity that we're doing, the hard part then is going interpreting interpreting that mm -hmm. activity and translating into that. It's like, yeah, because higher volume in this area is not <laughs> necessarily good. Yeah, it's, you know. It, so what does that actually mean? And deciphering that, and that's where I, I come back to this this you know where you need to have a PhD around employee experience. Um, <laughs> 
but there there is so much rich data out there but you have to have you know, yeah. an, an intentional approach to going and solving those problems yeah have you it, it, i guess in that setting or in that kind of situation have you experienced more that people are trying to like oh we've got all this data so let's try to figure out how to make it work for us or like how often do you run into the scenario where it's like okay we have some questions we're curious about a few things and or even here's what we think would be good right and then go out and try to interpret the data to so again like how much intentionality is there around you know before <laughs> yeah, around I, trying to to learn something from it. yeah you know i think it's a it's still a newer thing there's been you know you know, I, you know microsoft made a, a huge shifts um six seven years ago where they replaced swapped out a lot of their testing organization and replaced the headcount with uh data analysts and so we're looking at the usage patterns mm -hmm. and so it was um, I mean, they're still testing, but they kind of, they want their engineers that are building to also be doing testing. So there's kind of a structural change in the way that they you know, move that, but they also started moving towards data. So observing that a large enterprise building these products, these the platforms that I utilize um, and how they approached a lot of that change and looking at it got me thinking more about the, this yeah. topic. What I see from end customers is that um, most are still struggling with making that jump that are yeah. start to, to look at that. So yeah. it's still, we're at the forefront of like the, the wave that's going to happen. We're talking about it more because of like the great resignation, this post-pandemic people even, and then it's forcing a lot of companies that have a crappy culture, a lot of them, but also companies with good cultures that are losing good people mm -hmm. and are asking why now they're becoming more introspective about, you know, what, what could we have done? Or could we, at the very least, can we identify where burnout is happening or where, mm -hmm. it, it, is there a space within a certain roles, certain regions where people are more unhappy than elsewhere. I mean, what what can we do? Uh, and so I think more and more organizations are starting to move in that direction that are starting to look at that. That's why you have companies like Microsoft and Qualtrics uh, that are focusing so much on this space. I do agree with both that this is, we're at the beginning of what will be a huge shift in looking at how we build and deploy and utilize these systems and looking at them holistically across the, the, you know, the, the employee experience. Yeah. Especially when the employee experience is so the, the ecosystem within a, um, some of these organizations is so large and there's so many different moving pieces so varied. and right. you're trying to kind of, I guess for me, I'd always want to break it down into those little pieces and evaluate them independently before trying, like kind of a that's ground human nature up. to do that, right? <laughs> we want to break things down into 
pieces that we can understand. But you're right. This is these are some of the biggest, certainly within the uh, uh, within the the uh, uh, Western technology focused company world. Um, these are massively complex and and cloudy uh, uh, problems that need to be solved. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting space. Well, Ian, really appreciate you taking the time today. I know that uh, we, we covered a, a lot of ground here, but uh, really thank you for participating in the CloudTac podcast. And uh, any Absolutely. last words about Enliven where people can go to find out more information? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a great conversation. Um, so I really, I'm not huge on social media, but you can find us at enlivenhq.com. So that's E-N-L-I-V-E-N-H-Q.com. And um, I've just started a uh, kind of a writing series uh, every couple of weeks. I'm going to send something out. So if anybody's interested in that, uh, you can hit the newsletter on our website. And um, yeah, no, I really, really good talking to you. Well, thanks so much. And of course, we'll make all the information available out on the podcast as well as on the buckthaplanet.com blog. And thanks a lot, Ian, for your time. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening.